0: Hello and welcome to the very first episode of our new podcast, Face Value. My name is Brock Elbank and I'm a photographer who has had the pleasure of documenting over 500 subjects in the last decade for various series. People have said to me for some time that a podcast might be a good idea to elaborate on the people's posts that we did through Instagram. So in conjunction with our newly formed The Brock L. Bank Foundation, we are now starting a podcast and our first speaker is the lovely Isabella Welsh who I shot for scars back in 2019. Belle, as she's affectionately known, was born with an extremely rare cleft And since her birth, has had 23 major reconstruction surgeries. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 90 minutes. Thank you for listening. Isabella Welsh, welcome to my very first podcast. And I will apologise profusely to the listener, um, your mum, um for the technical delay we should have started this at um 6 p.m uh, GMT time and it's now 18:26. Good morning you wonderful person you. How are you?
1: I'm doing great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, no.
0: Um so basically just to give um people that are going to kindly listen to this Um, quite a few people have suggested that I delve back into my quite extensive collection or archive of incredible human beings and discuss their journey through life. Um, Belle, as she's affectionately known, uh, visited me before COVID. Um, Seems like about 55 years ago, doesn't it? Yes. Even though you're not even 30, but, um, so we're going to just talk, um, this is the very first episode, so I will apologize for my lack of professionalism now. Um, Belle as well has kindly agreed to be my first victim. (laughs) We haven't even got a name for the podcast um, so this is going to be in conjunction with the Brock L. Bank Foundation that we've recently set up. So um, good morning, Belle. And first of all, thank you so much for, for, for doing this.
1: Oh, thank you. It is literally an honour.
0: <laughs> OK, well, so, um, Belle, can you just give the the people that are going to be listening to this a quick introduction as to your journey and how we met please
1: yeah okay so I was born with a really rare facial cleft where my lip was attached to my eye and I've had 23 reconstructive surgeries Um, basically like every six to nine months I've had surgery growing up and um, we met through my sister who as my AirPod falls oh. out. Um, it's okay. So um, I've got
0: these cans on.
1: I know. Those look so nice. Uh, <laughs> but we met through my sister who had been following Brock for years. Um, and it always kind of thought or it hoped that you would do a Scar Series. And when you did, she reached out to you. And afterwards was like, I've reached out to this guy like... I think you should, like, be a part of his photo series, I don't know. And I was like, okay, like, spring it on me a little bit, please. Um, Didn't really think this was a journey I was going to go on, but it's been just incredible. I mean, meeting you and it's kind of...
2: Well, I
0: I wouldn't say mate in May was incredible. I think... um,
1: I think it's one of the highlights of my life. Oh,
0: well, that's very kind, I think, um, to interrupt, which I'll be doing generally throughout the entire podcast because it's my trademark. Um, I mean, I'm not just saying this. There is a reason why Belle is um, my first victim, as it were, because when her and her sister came over in 2019, um I mean, we ended up going out for lunch the following day with my two... Daughters Olive and Elke, who were very different to how they are now, um, and you really, you know, made a mark with those two. You both did, both you and your sister. Um, and it was quite an incredible couple of days. It, for me, you know, it wasn't just about taking pictures. It was it was very very special.
1: No. I would say the the pictures were just a little moment of it. I think that's what why I think this podcast is going to be so incredible is because the conversations that you have leading up to it is what for the individual that you're photographing is really what
0: makes the whole process
1: like so incredible.
0: Um, I mean, I think. I mean, I think with. I mean, I look back to when we had our you know because we we meet on facetime Mm -hmm. um but we don't obviously meet until you kindly travel in from from the west coast of the states um but i remember sitting in my kitchen um pair of us almost in tears weren't we really and um you know i think even then you sort of thinking this this needs to be shared i don't think um a few words on a post on Instagram is really enough. So um what I'll what I'll sort of go back to now because I think it's so important for um other people that may hear this or see the images, um if they can relate to your your journey, your experiences and your challenges, then then that's the whole point really. It's not about me waffling on. So um Going back, I mean, I mean, obviously, your mother and I, who I still haven't met properly, we've had quite a few emails. How, you know, when you were born, what was the initial? I know you've told this story a million times, but how yeah. how was it for them, and how were those sort of early operations and so?
1: Um, well, for my parents, they knew something was going to be maybe different, but not to the extent. So when I was born, I think I was pretty much kind of swiftly taken away. Um, they didn't really know if I was going to make it. The big thing with clefts is basically, can you get nutrients and be able to, you know, survive, basically, Um, and luckily, like, we had a little bit of a mishap, you know, like trial and error moments, but all in all, I was able to suckle, which was super rare at the time for a cleft kid. And, um, they didn't know if it was impacting like my brain and just different aspects of, you know, because it was so severe, um. But the first few surgeries, I mean, I'm probably not the best to ask because I obviously don't remember too much, but they were pretty extensive. I mean, yeah, they were. There's definitely been, I think maybe even later on in my surgery journey were more experimental and high risk in certain ways. Um, So.
0: And, and. And for sort of people that aren't um, obviously medically aware of your specific cleft, I mean, what's, what is its, uh, there'll probably be some sort of tongue twister medical name for it. And what, what's the percentage? Because I remember we obviously discussed this, but obviously I wasn't recording then. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the percentage of people globally that have the same condition?
1: Mm, So with my cleft, I mean, clefts are pretty common. Just the type that I have is really rare. Um, and, And partly because it actually stopped growing. So I have like a partial cleft palate as well. So the roof of my mouth wasn't, basically didn't like fuse together. And there was like a gap. So I've had the full roof of my mouth reconstructed and... I mean, my whole face has been reconstructed, but, um, my mouth, my mouth for sure. Um, and it's technically considered a Tessier 4-5 is the classification, which just means it goes unilaterally, unilaterally from my lip to my eye. Um, and I was born without a lower eye orbit, which keeps your eye in place so for me my eye was really really low down on my face and it wouldn't close so going back to as a young child part of it was my mom and dad had to basically wake up like every two hours to put drops in my eyes to like keep it lubricated yeah um which is just funny now because my i don't have a tear duct anymore because they had to um, remove it for a surgery so now my eye is constantly tearing <laughs> so it always I looks
0: do, like I I'm crying do, yeah I do remember when we we went into um, Islington I mean I'm I'm based in southeast London <clears throat> and um, I think you both wanted to go to a sort of traditional English pub for lunch so I took you to an old um, old local of mine from my sort of youth called the Crown on Cloudsley Square, which is a lovely old pub, and and I do re- I do remember you know I mean the, my what I love about my kids is they're so <clears throat> excuse me they're so sort of they're inquisitive and they're in you know they want to know um, And olive would have been what six or seven mm-hmm. and i do remember you know you were you constantly was sort of saying that you had to dab your eye mm-hmm. because they'd um you know they'd damage the uh the tear ducts mm-hmm. and i think people just take the most everything for granted breathing blinking you know moving your hands all these things that just you do without even thinking and when you sort of mention that you think crikey yeah. i mean it was um <clears throat> so going back to um the conversation we had in the kitchen in um well a couple of years ago now yeah. um you mentioned there was something you said to me and it was something to do with was it the smell Was it the smell or the taste of the medicine that you used to be given as a kid?
1: Yeah. So when you're um, – well, I don't know if they still do this, but at the time, they don't really love to give kids – the mask didn't work for me, basically. So before they would put me under, they'd give me this thing, this medication called Versed, and they would always be like, let's mix it with your favourite drink. And at the time it was cranberry juice, so they would mix it. And it just, it tastes like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's so, so nasty. like.
0: Is it like cough mixture?
1: Yeah, but like 10 times that. And so then I would yeah. end up, you know, getting sick from it, from the taste. And because you're about to have surgery, you can't have any water or anything to like get the taste out of your mouth. And because I would get sick, we had to do the process all over again. So sometimes it would be like a few hours of like going through this process just to get me under. Wow. And it was that's for sure one of the most tri- triggering moments of it. It's like anything like fake cherry smell, it would just bring me right back there. And I'm like, oh, I'm already nauseous
0: but it's it it is fascinating I mean that was something that really stuck with me was the um, you know that smells um, tastes music you know these things that you can kind of not consciously be sort of thinking of and then just one you know one trigger and it's it can transport you back to you know 15 20 30 years ago or in my case about 90 years ago Um another another point I uh, uh, that I remember and it was something that I've probably mentioned to my kids more than on one occasion in times where as you know as you know they've been in times of stress and it, it has been a bit of a benchmark for me because I'm not just saying this um, because we're doing this I mean, tell tell people how long you have spent as a child um in hospital and and in recovery
1: oh I mean at least I I mean I was having surgery every six to nine months so then for the first 18 years of my life um and so then it takes about six months to fully recover. So I fully recover from a surgery and just have another one. So it's basically in a permanent state of recovery for like probably 10 years, I'd say. Um, which is also... How,
0: how, yeah. Sorry. No, go for it. De, 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 no, no, it was, that was just the, the, the delay. That's how professional this, the Elbank Village Studio is. Um, what I was gonna say was how how does how did that impact um you as a child first of all not not being able to um, I mean what is normal I mean crying nobody's normal yeah. but I mean just be a normal kid school holidays going and hanging out with your mates um, spending all that time so one thing I recall is um you were always in recovery or hospital in the holidays
1: yes yeah, so I had we would plan it so that I would have surgery over winter break and then I'd have surgery in the summer so like summers for me are just like surgery pretty much um I would get maybe like a few weeks before we would like try and so that I could get a little bit of a break um because yeah I mean that's that's an intense journey to be on when then you're just going back to school. It's like you don't really, you're not really feeling like you're living a life or like you're giving up this like portion of your life. And how it was always phrased to me was, you know, these surgeries are going to happen. We're going to get to a point where they're not going to happen anymore. And then you're going to have the rest of your life and you're going to be able to live and just be. Um, and so that definitely, I like held on to that for sure it was like on the other side of it it's like how do I say this it was like when dealing with pain and that aspect it, you're in such extreme pain but at the same time you know it's going to end like you have about what a six week six to ten week recovery where it's really really intense and then it's you're just managing after that and, you know, it's not as bad. Um, but I think for me at the time, having that in my mind to be, okay, this is going to end, allowed me to persevere through it for sure. Um, it yeah. made a big, it, it made it easier.
2: Or er, digestible. Do you...
0: Do you think that um I mean hindsight is a you know, it's a, a wonderful tool, isn't it, for yeah. everybody? Um but looking back to say when you were eight or ten mm-hmm. um when, you know, kids it it everything's still magical, um innocent, you know, there's the world is this, you know, exciting place um there must have been a reality um uh, I mean you must have had to have pretty much grown up quite quickly just with the honesty from the the you know from the surgeons and the the medical staff that you were sort of constantly in sort of contact with
2: yeah. i mean
0: do you do you sort of feel that the um your childhood was taken away from... I mean, I'm not trying to say sound oh, dramatic, yeah. but do, do you... I, I mean, how,
2: how, how... Mm,
1: No, I don't. I think, yeah, it's not the easiest thing to go through and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But at the same time, I'm really fortunate. I grew up right outside of San Francisco and at the time, San Francisco was like a hub for craniofacial reconstruction and... I had access to all these incredible surgeons doing groundbreaking work. So at the same time, I just realized how fortunate I was to just even be born in a place that I could access that because there's so many people that are born with these sort of differences that don't have access. And, you know, like, of course there's been times that I just wish I could be normal or this could all go away but ultimately I think it is such a like point like pivotal point in my life where like I realized it created this opportunity for connection with random strangers all the time and I got to decide how that played out um like you know, like you can either shy away from things and you close yourself off to the world, or you can, I, for me at least, I was like four. I, like, I can remember being like four, and I'd hear some kid making a comment to their parent in a grocery store, and I would just walk right up and be like, Hi, I'm Bella. And I was more like a rare facial, and just like kind of start talking. And A, a big part of that was like, I never wanted anyone to think that you couldn't be born like this. I heard a lot of parents being like, she was probably in an accident. And that for me just like felt so wrong. Because I was like, no, this is just me. Nothing happened to me. This is me. Um, And so I just wanted like to create some like understanding because I realize, like, the reason why people react negatively or whatever is because they're they don't feel comfortable or they're experiencing something new, and since they don't understand it, they place judgment onto it. So,
2: oh,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I to jump in there. I mean, I think that's an extremely valid point. I mean. One thing that I've learned, and I every every series of images that I take, the pro and I say this every time is the process is always the same. Um, The subject's journey is always different, but there's this common thread throughout every single portrait is that the general public. who are ill-informed and dare I say ignorant? Um, when people don't understand, uh, I I feel they tend to push away because because they can't they don't know what it is. It's like a foreign language. It's it, you know they they struggle, and obviously there is large amounts of of ignorance um, in people, and that's another reason why I, I like doing the work that I do. Um, but I think it, I mean, the fact that at the age of four going up to so a little boy to just communicate with him and mm. explain, I mean, that that must have, I mean, how do you, at such a young age, I mean, is it just confidence? Is it is it naivety? I mean, how do you, is it something your parents said to you that you had to kind of, you know, Kill them with kindness I mean what What would you a say A little bit
1: of A little bit of All the things I think It was a coping mechanism It was a way for me to Also yes Kill them with kindness Because at the end of the day I'm not going to Put back out Into the universe Like negative things That people are putting on to me Just that's not how I work um, And like ultimately I don't think that's like Beneficial for anyone And Yes, of course my parents were like, you know, it's th- people just don't understand and it doesn't mean anything about you, but like let's just, you know, try and make this a thing that we talk about rather than hiding brushing away from it under me. the yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, one thing that I've um, learned from, you know, certain cultures and family backgrounds and, you know, it's it, is that some people or parents of of children that have been uh, born with whatever condition um, weren't able to kind of compute it, and they did as much as they could to kind of hide it away instead of um, embracing it head on, and 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 um, and just getting rolling up their sleeves and getting on with it. I mean, it obviously. It's a feather in your parents' caps. I mean, maybe you could sort of tell us a little bit about mum and dad. Um, uh, you know, in the sort of early years. Um, the, you know, in the in the mid noughties when you were because <laughs> <laughs> um, you're so young. <laughs> I'm so young.
1: Um, my parents. I mean, they're very, very supportive. Like, just number one advocates for me, for sure. They, I'm just very grateful for them because I think that, yeah, it made such a difference in how I approach life. And also having older siblings too in a tight knit community that just really had my back. Um,
0: Can you t- t- tell people how many siblings?
1: Oh, I have three older sisters, I'm the youngest.
0: So, so, so it's almost like a girl band, really. It's a isn't girl it a girl band. Mean, <laughs> I mean, um, obviously, I only had the the pleasure of meeting one sister. Um, what what's the sort of the dynamics within the the four of you, um, and what's the age gap, and and what what, what was their role um, with you growing up, and how, how was it with them?
1: Um, We're all pretty close. Uh, We're each from the oldest to the third down. They're all two years apart. And me and my closest sister are three years apart. Um, They're protective. But I, 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 I guess what you're trying to get at is I never let, like, I wouldn't let people defend me. Like, I had to be the one that did it. It was just a dynamic. Mm. I didn't feel like I needed to be defended. So, yeah, they right. would be hurt and they would be like, I can't believe they just said that. And they'd be like, It's fine. Like, we just had the conversation. And we're not, I'm not going to let you be the one that handles it. I'm going to be the yeah. one that handles it because it's no one else's place but mine. Um. So, that's a kind of tricky dynamic i think for them too because they had this little sister that is so like it doesn't define me but for everyone else that came in any stranger that came in contact they put some sort of judgment or label onto me label yeah right and so there is this defensive component to it but as I've gotten older and they understand where I'm coming from and we've been able to navigate it really well. Um, yeah. I feel like that's really the most important thing It's just um, communicating um,
0: it. Yeah, I mean, going, going back to your parents, mm-hmm. um, I mean, your lovely mum uh, who, like I say, we've never actually spoken, but um, she... I think after the i think she was obviously a, a little bit apprehensive as as any parent of any mm-hmm. anyone flying halfway across the world to have a photograph taken by someone they've never met before um and that's totally understandable and it's it is something that is a regular thing that i have to sort of ease the uh the worry of of the parents um but your mum sent me, after after you'd seen the initial images um, and your mum had, she sent me a message, which I'm not going to read out now. I'll probably put it on, on the page. But um, it it just made me cry. Um, I think your mum and I were just sort of crying at each other, for each other for, you know, a good few days. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you got back from from your London trip, yeah, um, not because you'd had the photos done by me, but what, what, what did you discuss with your mum? I mean, what, what was what was different uh, about the situation? You, yeah. how you looked at yourself, mm. um, the experience that you know your sister had put forward. I mean, you know how how was that post?
1: Yeah. Shoot? So, so I feel like when we were talking about how I approach things as a kid, and I still do it today. Like it just ingrained in me. Like when I see people staring and commenting, I just always smile. I, I will always do that. But again, that was like a way for me to protect myself and not be vulnerable in certain aspects, like. Mm putting on a shield because then I would end up going home and like breaking down, you know, by, and being so hurt by it actually, which is very ironic, but I don't even know if I told you this, but the day that you had posted my first photo in, in the series, I was actually in Portugal at the time and um, I, I mean... The feedback that I got from everyone was just so incredible. And I was in a cab. My sister wasn't with me. And the cab driver goes, I almost didn't let you in my cab. Like, one side of your face is really beautiful and the other side is really scary and ugly. What? Yeah. And I was like, is that? Oh, do you think
0: that was lost in translation? Nope.
1: It was not. Like, he spoke
0: very... Jesus.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean... I. It's like
0: having the rug pulled from under your feet sort of thing.
1: Right. And I think ultimately what this has propelled me to do is to just reach this on a bigger platform. Like, I do this on my day-to-day life. I've been doing it my whole life. But this idea of actually making real change would change in how the world is seeing differences and disability or different looking people I guess um uniqueness is just needs to shift and it allowed me just to break down those barriers within myself and like really go into the depths of what the experience was rather than just like putting on this facade and smiling and just bearing it because of course it's going to hurt. Like how can it not? Nobody
0: nobody likes um, (laughs) any kind of negativity thrown at them. Yeah, and and, the, and you know, going back, I mean, I did, I wasn't aware of that, and that, you know, I'm sorry that. that no, it's okay. I'm, I'm even hearing that, but, <laughs> um, I mean, it is that just the same old line that, that it is just why strangers feel first why li- they're compelled to comment, mm. and secondly, yes. why they th- why they think it's okay. And mm-hmm. and you know to go back to my vitiligo series, there was a guy, the guy that I photographed. His name I won't mention um, yet because I'd like to get him on the show if I can. The show,
2: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: the show, the show with no name. We should call <laughs> it that. Um, and he said something to me, and and this has resonated with me. F- for six, seven years since I shot him. He he was on a bus. This woman passed comment and said, oh, can I catch that? Cause he, you know, he's had Jamaican descent and his hands were white from the vitiligo. And he said to me, you know, this woman said this comment and it took her three seconds, but it stayed with me for over a decade. And I was like, wow. I mean, that's such a powerful statement within itself. Um, With, and I'm sure, you know, you've obviously just told me that. I mean, do you remember, you know, I mean, you go on about this kid when you were four in the supermarket. I mean, do you Mm -hmm. sort of have this sort of bank of comments? Mm -hmm. I mean, I
1: I, have it every day. I experienced it at least once a day, at least.
0: What, they, they, they comment, do you get comments, a comment? Every-
1: it comments, I'll get stares, I'll get pointing at, I'll get something to that degree. And, and varying degree, depending on the day and depending on the situation. Um, I mean, at one point I was in college and I rem- yeah, there was like, I went into a, a Walmart randomly, um, yeah. and, I think I counted, like, ten times in one in one hour of just being there. Of, like, parents what, physically, comments like, or, comments or, what? like, literally moving their kids away from me. And, like, because kids are, like, really approachable. They'll smile at me and I, like, always, like, well, wave and I'll smile back because they're
0: kids. And, and kids only get... Um, you know, they get it just trained curious. by their yeah, they get yeah, they're curious and they're they're just inquis- yeah, they're inquisitive and it's the parents, you know, it's like racism. Nobody's born racist. Mm-hmm. You're taught it by by people above you or, yeah. or below you. Um so there were ten instances oh, wait, in one
1: in hour.
0: In one one hour, yeah. So and- when you got out of Walmart, I mean what what's your mental state of play i mean what can I be really yeah. delve deep here and ask i mean what
1: what are you what are you
0: thinking
1: i i mean of course it's like I'm just like cool why wow. like uh, again i it's hard not to go into this like why me moment or have those you know festering feelings inside and I think for me it's like a, recognizing that this really hurts and it's not a fun situation. and it, it's It's a hard situation to be in. But also at the same time, it does not define me. And so using affirmations and things like that as I'm driving home and just like reminding myself of like who I am and what I bring to this world is so much more important.
0: I think, I think what, Angers me is the is the sheer ignorance of yeah. adults that yeah. they don't. Um, I mean, I'm not. Don't I mean? I I am going to talk about me, but I don't. I'm not, I don't be about me. I mean, I I've always been drawn to the the, the more diverse things are, the better.
2: Mm-hmm. It
0: interests me. Genuinely interests me. I always see. Uh, the beauty, and and I I love different. I love diversity. I love unique. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems that not the mass public, because I I can't generalise, but just people, I don't know if it's a generational thing, it's, uh, you know, how people are brought up. Um, it, it, It bugs me it really, really, um, annoys me. And uh, I mean, you're saying that it happens every single day. Mm -hmm. Do, does this sort of harden you up? Um, Not externally, because you're always, you're always positive to people. You smile, you kind of, you know, you take it, take it in your stride, but yeah. Do you does it harden you up emotionally? Do you become colder or does it is it still as distressing and challenging as it was say 10 years ago?
1: I think um no it hasn't hardened me up. I think it's done the opposite. I think it really forced me to dive into like just really building this relationship with myself and learning to fully embrace and love myself like because on the other hand if if I didn't do that it's debilitating I think in certain aspects it would break me down to a point of like yeah not liking myself and I don't know my whole thing is like you've got to be your own best friend like you're in it the long haul with yourself so you might as well like yourself while, while you're doing this journey um
0: it's a good so no, yeah. Yeah.
1: you know it's a good way like, to think in that way so also I think as a kid I used to think that this would go away when I would become an adult and I think now as an adult it's maybe even harder because Kids again are just curious, and they're, Mm. you know, they're. It's they don't know better, and an adult knows better. They, they do, or they should.
0: And I don't, and I don't think kids, (laughs) uh, as an individual, maybe seeing you in a, you know, we'll go back to a soup, the supermarket scenario, they don't judge, Um, but kids. I mean, you mentioned earlier about having a really tight group um, mm-hmm. as well as your, your your siblings and your parents, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in school and stuff. Yeah. Do you... Um, so what was it like at school? I mean, was there... What were the kids like? Because I mean, I'm have been the father of two girls. You've yeah. been one of four girls. I mean, it's it's an emotional minefield at the best of times. Yeah. Um. What What was it like? Um. Sort of in. I mean, you have different terms for school, like in in infant school. So what would that be? Kindergarten and then what's yeah. the what do you call can, it?
1: Can like first, second, like grade school. Yeah.
0: Grade school, uh, that's it, uh, that's yes. it, sorry. Sorry no, for no, our no. American <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Should have read my production notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> how, 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 how was
2: it at, it at was, school? I
1: mean, I, I went to a really small school, I, and my parents chose to do that for this reason. And I didn't think it did help a lot. I only had one gra- or one class per grade, and you were in the same class with the same kids from kindergarten to so, eighth
0: grade, so everybody. Literally. So everyone knew. And, and how and how many kids were in the class? Thirty. Thirty kids. Right. Um, so. So I mean, so that was a, a conscious decision your parents yes. both made. Yes. Um, have they ever sort of? explain why that was i mean it's you know it's probably i mean did your siblings go to the same school
1: so my older siblings all went to public school um right which is just you know you have different classes like multiple classes per grade and Mm. every year you're switching up who you're in the classes with and for me they were like okay well we just we want to try and manage the bullying and aspects of that. Um, and so having just a continuing, continuous set of
2: kids, Continuity, right? I would say bit, yeah.
1: And I think that's the thing about me or somebody in a similar position. Once you know me, you don't see it, right? Like it's not, no. it doesn't mean anything, like anyone. Like it's not it's
0: like having a freckle that, or that that's actually something that olive said um i mean i mean olive's my my 10 year old and and she's a right little firecracker and very very profound and wise beyond her years which she obviously doesn't get from my side of the family but um that was that, that word for word was pretty much something she said to me um Recently, because uh, you know the girls, and I and I and I don't say privileged lightly. I mean, they are extremely lucky to meet um, a lot of the people I get to document. And I think in a world where you know it's it's awful times. I mean, you know, you sort of think, what? Why did I bring these children into the world with what is going on currently? But I think if they can spend a few hours with with people that might inspire them as obviously women as well it's 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 amazing education for them and she Mm -hmm. did say she that she said that word for word she said initially Mm -hmm. daddy when you know your subjects come in you sort of you, you you have to observe them and absorb it and um i don't think she would have used the word digest um but then you don't notice it daddy and and i i think that's amazing you know and i love that about that um
1: and I, yeah i think that's exactly why Be I and mean, i know it every time i start that conversation i explain things there's an immediate shift in energy and and dynamics that go on. And I've recognized that since I was a little kid. So I was like, if I can just explain things, and I know I shouldn't have to now, I understand that. Not everyone's gonna take that course, but I think it eliminated a lot of those uncomfortable moments in certain aspects.
0: Um, I mean, for you, sort of moving forward, I mean, we're far from coming to the end of this. Um, I mean, I mean, if we sort of explain um, when, when you came for your shoot, you, you were covered in bruises, yes. um, which obviously um I, I, I I mean, you did say you were clumsy, but um, <laughs> can you can you explain just to sort of add another layer to everything what yeah. that is mm-hmm. and how that impacts everything else, please? Yeah.
1: So I um, was 19 and I got diagnosed with a really rare genetic condition called vascular early danlos syndrome eds for short
0: um thank thank you for the abbreviation yeah i got you.
2: <laughs> eds
1: it is eds yeah um and so it affects the collagen that makes up basically your st- structure of everything so veins skin organs everything um which makes them very malleable and fragile. So I have like very velvety skin and you can see the like veins pretty much everywhere. Like you've seen.
0: And- well, that, that image, sorry to jump in there. That image I did, that black and white one mm-hmm. where you just look like almost tissue paper. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. But sorry, sorry to interrupt.
1: No, yeah, that's so. That's that's part of it. Exactly.
0: So when, so when, how, how did you find out you'd got this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure if I remember rightly, you said it. It can be life threatening just to yes. you know throw that into the works. Yes. So um,
1: can you? So, yeah, I was diagnosed with a pseudoaneurysm in a dissection of my carotid when I was 19 and it evolved into this diagnosis actually about like three months ago I almost <laughs> kind of died but it was just on the
0: breaking point <laughs> um, well, we'll get on to that in a moment yeah.
2: but so it, <laughs> we'll save that for
0: part three
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is it's so it's basically it creates really fragile vascular system that for me results in, like, a lot of dissections and aneurysms. Um, And anything could burst it. Like, flipping my hair up and down after a shower could do it. A sneeze could do it. So it just put this idea of you do not have time. And time of, like, is of the essence. And actually, it's a good point. But when I was younger, I used to just think, okay, I'm going to push through. I'm going to give up these aspects of my childhood, knowing that I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to have the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I was 19 and then I found out this and it was just like, what was I waiting for? And I already gave up so much of my life. Like, how am I going to be able to manage this as well? And feel like I'm not just like in this constant state of giving up. Yeah, And it really pushed me to just... The edge. The edge of, like, wow, like, what it means to be alive, too, on the other hand. Because, like, you, I mean, that's...
2: I think that's the
0: thing, isn't it? Right? It kind of thing, if, you know, it's like live live each day like it's your last. I mean, most of us don't. Um, Right. What... I mean you're sort of saying obviously the the emotional impact of finding out this massive hurdle to go through yeah. um how was it for your mum and dad and and you sit finding this out that you know you just I, you just get you know coming out of your teen years and then there's this massive
1: I think we're all still like processing it um in certain ways you think it every time something happens it's it just brings it all back and really is a reminder of the things that I'm dealing with because it is an invisible illness like you don't necessarily see it you wouldn't know that these things are happening and they're spontaneous so like I could get out of my car and rupture some, like, and that's happened. It's like, I, I randomly got a huge fistula in my leg last year. Just getting out of my car, I could...
0: Is, is this what led to the, what, I think, that was quite a nice link. No, no it's another one.
1: Another one. This Bell. is in the other leg, and then... In December, yeah. yeah. I'm
0: not laughing. But
1: no, I mean, you gotta laugh about it. Come on, I, what I,
0: are the I, odds? I think we we you know we have spoken quite often. You know, I'm not just being this cold, callous.
1: No, I also think like humor is a way to process things, and
0: that's I, how I, I process it. Agree <laughs> with that. No, I I agree, and I like I like that about you. Um, so you're when I. Got in touch. I mean, I've I've emailed probably thirty people so far um, since we set up the foundation, um, and as I said, this is the first one. And when Bell kindly agreed to do this, um, I literally was like, "Well, um, how have you been?" And you just sort of flippantly said, "Oh, yeah, I nearly died and nearly lost my leg.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I maybe." Know going going
1: to that i did i um i was i basically felt like i was having shin splints that is part of it so it's very pain eds is very very painful like and right. you don't start to experience a lot of the symptoms until you're older because it's a progressive thing so i was in my early 20s and was experiencing so many symptoms I, at one point was kind of bedbound for a while. Anyways it's taken a lot of work to get me to a place where I'm pretty much in a lot of ways symptomatic free from the I mean I can dislocate things like all the time and whatever. It didn't you fun- didn't
0: something happen when we were shooting? Didn't your was it your shoulder popped out or something? Yeah, was something.
1: It? Pro- I think. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm it,
0: sure. And you would It was literally like you sort of dropped your phone really on the floor. Yeah. You just went, "Oh yeah, I've just." Oh, that's just. And you popped yeah. it back in. And I was like, "What was that?" And you were like, "Oh, my shoulder just popped out." Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not. It's crazy. Like, um. But with the leg, the yes. leg—I mean, nearly losing that. I mean, yeah. again, you know, I, I keep asking the same question. I mean, mentally, h- how on earth was was that? Because I mean, to tell the listener, um, I mean, Elkie, my eldest—I remember we left the 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 lunch, the lovely lunch that we had, and you were walking with Olive in front, um, and I was at the bat being all protective in London with my American <laughs> guests. And Elkie was like, look at Belle's legs and her her bum. She's like I mean, you're very petite. I'm um, very petite. And I mean, incredible legs. I mean the the and I and I mean that with, with the utmost no, of that, yeah. uh you know um and it was Elkie's observation. But I mean the thought of losing a limb I mean and this is this is a question of I want to put to you is mm-hmm. you know, you, you you you're born, you don't reme- you won't remember your the initial surgeries and it's something that you've you've lived with from day one. It's something that you, you don't know any different. Mm-hmm. Um, was the news of, of the potential uh, you know having your leg amputated that must have been a completely different level because it's something that is functional there's nothing wrong with it and then it's like oh the, your leg's gonna have to come off yeah. what, what how do you process that i mean I that must think have been pretty dark
1: it it can be for sure i think I'm actually very grateful because I think this time around I probably handled it the best that I've handled any of these experiences so far where, I mean, yeah, it was super spontaneous. I kind of felt like I was having shin splints, like ended up in the ER and then immediately was admitted because the aneurysm in my leg was 16 centimeters in diameter. Wow with the syndrome that i have you can't do the surgeries the way that you normally would because the
0: because of the risk
1: you would yeah because you're going to go through your femoral artery and use a catheter and just doing that alone would Mm. rupture everything and would probably lose more and probably kill me but if we didn't do the surgery it would kill me
0: um so, so you're so you're going under, mm-hmm. um, and you really, th- this could be it. Is that what? what mm-hmm. you? It, it yeah, might not just be a case of. Um, uh, I'm gonna look, Would it be a whole leg? Was it gonna be half half your leg? I mean, they didn't
1: I, know. They didn't, didn't know. So they they know, didn't the really know. Yeah.
0: So you're literally going into surgery, and you're thinking this this might be it. Yeah. What's what on earth? I mean, what on earth is going through your head? Um. I mean, are you paranoid? Are you stressed? Are you? I mean.
1: I think at that point I'd fully surrendered, and I was like, "What is going to happen? Is going to happen? And at the end of the day, I'm going to be. If I let's say I do lose a limb, I'm. I'm alive, so mm. that's the most important part. And whatever is thrown my way, I'm going to have to handle it. I am I will be able to because I'm going to have to. And yeah. just preparing myself for like, okay, like, again, you can handle it. You can. And I mean, I, I'm still dealing with complications from it, but ultimately what it really gave me was just like holy crap I'm so grateful to be alive yeah you know and really taking time to like experience
0: life so when you came out of uh surgery and and sort of woke up from this sort of um you know the groggy state of surgery I mean Mm -hmm. and you you realise that you've still got your leg?
1: Oh, I definitely realised because I was in so much pain. Um, oh, really?
2: Came,
1: oh, yeah. So basically how it's was is like, well, once you do the surgery, if it's accessible, um, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be up and walking in a day. And it was is that like... true? Ten, no, it was like 10 days later, <laughs> I was still in the hospital and, like... We couldn't get the pain under control, basically. Like, I couldn't walk for... I'm still having... I was in bed, like, all last week because of it. And it, it will... I mean, it basically is causing permanent nerve damage now, um, which is unfortunate, but... Underst- that,
0: understatement. Yeah. 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 Um- so, I mean, I'm, I'm. I mean, obviously, I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time. So, I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm actually sort of processing all of what you're saying to me now, which is, um, yeah. you know, uh, so mo- moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what have they said about? The, I mean, have you got scars on the leg?
1: No, they did it with a needle. So there wasn't any scarring or anything like that. The surgery... It, Is it like a sur-
0: surgery or something? Yeah, Is it's it like mean? with
1: a, a little like catheter, like needle thing. So it, was, really? it looked like... Yeah, it was... Normally it would be an easy surgery. It wouldn't be a big deal just with my condition. It's so high risk.
2: Right.
0: Um, and so. a- again, I've got to bring up mum I mean what what what's mum I mean how on earth is everybody else coping I mean I'm gonna have to have a lie down after this just just you informing me and I've I've only known you for two and a half years I mean what on a serious note what is it like for mum
1: I think it's really hard I think and I I've I talked to them about this as well like I don't know what it's like to be in their position, just as, like, they don't know what it's like to be in mine. Mm. Um, But I do recognize that it's got to, it's takes such a toll on the people that love me. And Mm. there was definitely a point in my life where I, I wanted to, like, isolate myself because I figured if I didn't, if I isolated myself enough, then I wouldn't hurt people when I died because right. it, we didn't know when it was going to happen and wow. I this was like when I was first diagnosed and you know learning how to manage it within myself um, and so even like with dating or anything like that I was like oh like I can't do that because I'm going to hurt people and like wow. that's the last thing I want to do and I don't think that way anymore and it's taken a lot of processing and work but
0: how do, how do you how, have you how do you do it Belle? i mean you should you should be doing a podcast i mean i'm i feel <laughs> like a charlatan sitting here
2: i mean i was In getting London. stressed
0: trying to get the video to work i mean i'm <laughs> i'm it's typical male rubbish i mean but seriously how how on earth do you just keep i know you, you you've mentioned that you know you value life because you know you're getting out the car or this or that but just all of what you've gone through the operations the recovery the pain how, how have you kept how do you keep going how do you have a smile on your face and i mean how do you regroup I think Do You talk to mum, your friends, your sisters. I mean, what, lots of the... therapy.
1: Love therapy. Big fan.
2: Yeah.
1: Like recommend it to literally everyone. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, yes, having incredible friends and, like, even going back to not letting people in. Like when I was a kid and I would have surgery, I wouldn't let my friends see me after surgery because I was so scared. Well, because because it it was like, react. uh, There was points after surgery as a kid where I couldn't even brush my teeth in the bathroom because I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. So my mom would drape a towel over the sink in the kitchen so I couldn't see any reflection. Wow. You know, which is, I mean, it makes sense it's again going back to this how did you manage always changing it's it's saying goodbye to this part of yourself and like again welcoming in this new version uh, and, mean, in that, such that, drastic waves
0: yeah I mean I, that's something that I I remember from when when um, we we spoke before okay. and you were saying about, you know you you look different you you were different to how you look you know prior to the surgery i mean how how do you process that how what what's going through your mind i mean you're a kid um i mean obviously children they're resilient physically, yeah they're re- a they're resilient um i think a, a lot more so than probably adults are
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but I mean, what what was? Did you have a, a like a routine, a process? I mean, how how was it? Post recovery, and and I mean, you know, just sort of seeing a different version of you.
1: Yeah, and I think getting that's used what, to it. It's it getting used to it, and it's also like recognizing that you're like in the halfway place. So we would, I would have like these really drastic, crazy, in-between surgery moments where they've like half done a surgery and it's going to be like a three-step surgery that they're going to do over a year and a half. So I might Mm. be in phase one of it. So I'm looking real not myself Mm. or, you know, lots of scar tissue, lots of swelling. And I mean, my cheeks are my ribs. Um, yeah, yeah. Tell,
0: tell. Just yeah. let everyone know of um, what you've had done. I mean, because yeah. because I think these surgeons. I mean, one thing I've learned about my work is surgeons are artists. I think oh, surgeons nice. is um, yes. well, they are. They are. They're very they creative. Are. So explain all of the. Um,
1: I, the I don't
0: know. The surgeries and what you've had done, so your cheekbone, yeah, and the jaw.
1: Yes, I think that's also. Well, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna
0: tell everything. I'm gonna ramble, that, yeah, I'm gonna go ramble for, for, for a second,
1: but basically, what you you asked just a minute ago was like, how did you process it? How did you work through it? A big part of that was I'm very into medicine, and I realized that these surgeons are artists, and how I see it is I'm their canvas and we're working collaboratively together. That helped me to see beyond these phases and hope in what will come. Um, Then for surgery wise, like underneath my eye is all cartilage, oops, cartilage from behind my ears. So like my ears are really close to my head because they took the sides of it. Mm. Um, We've done an extraction thing where they basically put two metal pieces in right here and broke the bone. And then over like 72 hours, they cranked it and it expanded the whole lower eye orbit. Um, In order to then help to create some sort of structure using cartilage and bone grafts to create a support structure so that we can move my eye up because my eyes were never level. And my eye didn't close until I was about 16. Um, And still doesn't really close, but it kind of does now. But, like, it really didn't close. Like, I could close my eyes and you could put up a hand and I could tell you how many fingers you were holding up. Like, (laughs) yeah. You know, like, it was just, like... Not close. Functioning, <laughs> yeah. It was not close <laughs> at all.
0: So then, didn't you have a rib removed?
1: Yeah. It's, so they took but the whole premise was to use my own body to create. Me. So yeah, I had those so metal reject.
2: Extract. Is it? Is it yeah. So it didn't
0: reject. Okay. It didn't Look, reject. I'm learning. I'm learning. Here. Yeah.
1: No. Yeah. You're right. It didn't reject. Um, <laughs> it. It didn't. Also, I don't, I don't like, there was always a fine balance of when are we going too far and, mm. and what, what are we trying to achieve?
2: Yeah.
1: Right?
0: If what you're did looking you for want? functionality. What did, you, what did you want to achieve?
1: I think as a kid, it was kind of phrased, like we're going to make you symmetrical, which right. I'm not, obviously.
0: Nobody's symmetrical. <laughs>
1: But, you know, surgeons are also perfectionists, so they can see this beautiful thing that they can work with. And and I, I'm sure a big part of that was like I was idealizing things that I wanted in my life and making projections. Um, so for a really long time, it was really hard because all of this used to not be there. And that's the part that I don't love the most, I would say. Um, Or that I would want to adjust when I was younger. I don't want to adjust anything now. I love myself and all of my being. But as a kid, it just felt so bulky and like, you know, it like grows hair because it's like skin from behind my ears. So it like... (laughs) Gross hair, and it's just like not Belle, I've got cute. hairs
0: growing. I've got hairs growing out <laughs> my ears that are so long I could actually have a sweep sweep over. So you you should not worry about that, my dear.
1: <laughs> no, oh no, not anymore. But like you know, they're adding on these things to create structure, but mm-hmm. physically, did it look like seamless? No. And so it just felt like they were like... Ah. And then you're dealing with scar tissue and... The scar that's here used to be way over here. And they pulled all of this and stretched the skin. Wow. Which is insane. Incredible.
0: It's incredible. Insane. So like, would they Would they? It put was really balloon, Would they put a balloon... How do they stretch it? Would they put a balloon under the skin to...
1: No, they literally, well, they it was li- like so taut. It was like, uh, like.
0: It was like a Hollywood actress in her 50s. So no? tight. Like, really? And so
1: then, yes. So then. But can you when then, they,
0: Can you eat and speak okay then? Because it's well, so tight.
1: Well, okay. I'm going to get there. But basically, <laughs> so they did that and. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: No, you're good.
0: so so many questions, so <laughs> like little time. So many questions,
1: I've... but yeah, no. So then they pulled it really tight, and once they had done the ribbing inje- or rib extraction, you could see like the divots. So you could see each rib because it was so tight. So then they've done, I think I've done wow. four or five rounds of liposuction, and they take your fat.
0: Fat, you haven't got any fat.
1: I used, yeah. Oh, we had to like, I had to gain weight to do the procedure and we'd have
0: to push it
1: back. Yeah, you see, I was a kid, and
0: also, I mean, you are so so. I mean, you've got no body fat at all, so you had to put on weight, yeah, blind.
1: And like, we would have, I think there was one surgery we even have to like postpone it because I needed to gain more weight.
0: So almost like a boxer just sort of meeting your fighting weight. I mean, that's a horrible analogy, but I no, mean, yeah. so literally you had to put weight on for them to then give you liposuction mm-hmm. to fill your cheek.
2: Mm-hmm. Bell,
1: and the um... way that that works is like it dies off. So they'll put 60% dies off. So you have to keep on doing the procedure over and
2: over again. Oh, Belle. Yeah, yeah.
0: I might just do this podcast, just this one episode. We'll just do it for like <laughs> nine weeks. We'll just have we'll have, we'll have toilet breaks. Yeah. I, I'm I'm honestly trying to just process the, all of this, uh, put this in. So, what age? So, just I explain. Think like first, so you had yeah. So the rib. How old were you when you had the? Rib? I was 11
1: when I when we had the ribs and.
0: They actually ribs.
1: actually
0: did it twice. I thought it was, how many ribs? I think there's three. three. And that is, so, and that's the jaw well,
1: for jaw and cheekbone. Yeah, yeah, the cheekbone, the lower eye orbit and cheekbone. Um, and they actually collapsed my lung doing it because they took too much of the cartilage or something like that. They collapsed my lung. It was like this whole thing. Uh-huh. <sighs> I had to get like a chest tube put in, and then, yeah. So I woke <sighs> up, and it was like had this chest tube. I was in the ICU, and they were like, yeah.
0: So I mean, what what what's the process then? I mean, do they put their hands up and say we we've made a mistake? I mean, what what or do they well, just I mean, say this this? I
2: they think collapse. It's, you know the
1: long. risk. You know the risk and. I think, I mean, I, with my surgeons, I they, actually, he had just recently passed, which is really unfortunate, but he was my surgeon basically my entire life, so my relationship with him is just like the truest Tight. form yeah. of pure trust, unconditional love get.
0: as well, probably. Yes, as well. I mean. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm really sorry yeah. to hear that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been... Um, it's definitely a new... I also, like, I feel weird because I'm like, we were on this journey together and it was a collaboration yeah. and I'm. it's going to still advance and it's just going to not... He's not going to be a part of the process anymore, which is, you know, a hard thing for me to process and come to terms with, but...
0: So yeah, it's, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to process what you're processing and telling me. I mean, it's. I mean, would you? You you mentioned um, as a child that you you know you had this you sort of envisaged where it would end up and and how you would look and and all of these things and you said you got to a point where you just said right, um, you know the surgeons. You know, they just keep going and keep going and suggesting and trying and doing all these things. What What was the point where you just said, as you beautifully put, you know, I'm happy with who I am. I love who I am. I'm I'm done now.
1: I don't think I'm done necessarily, though. That there's going to be things that are going to still need to happen, and I'm okay with that. Um I think. It, the transition and what you're talking about was just recognizing that even if this is the final state, I I love it. It's not, you know, like, I think as a, a kid, of course, it was like going through all these surgeries and I just wanted to be normal and not have to deal with it anymore. And like, just not... De- it's, yeah, it is taxing to deal with all the staring comments and whatever Mm. on the individual. So this idea that that could potentially go away was something to strive for um, and gives you hope and understanding as to why you're going through all this pain and experiencing um, all of that. I think ultimately what it came down to is like, even if I think I was like 16 or something like that. And I was like, well, even if this is the final state, I need to come to terms with it. And I need to love it. Like how can I expect other people to accept me if I can't accept myself?
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I keep bringing up, your beloved mum. I mean, what? I mean, what? What? What was the advice when you sort of got to that point where you just were like, "Yep, I'm My good." My parents have I mean,
1: always made it a point to say, that "From the get go, um, whenever you are done, it's your decision." Like it was never yeah. something, but at the same time, like. Yeah, I don't have a tear duct. So, like, would I, would I like to get a drain put in and it be able mm. to flush? Amazing. That sounds... Yeah. You know. My nose is... Basically, they used my nose as an anchor. And they had all these wires all over the place. And then they drilled a hole through my nose and used this side to anchor it. And over the years, because gravity is our... It was... Is my biggest... Um, like struggle because we would do these surgeries make progressions move my eye up like create structure and eight months later gravity would just start taking place and everything would just drop back down so we would have this regression period and having to go back to the drawing board and how do we continue to create this structure
0: um but how how was how was that I mean, it's obviously demoralising. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a rhetorical question, really. But I yeah. mean, how how is it for for you? Um, not even your parents. I mean, what how do you how are you dealing with that? Where you sort of one step forward and then two steps back, I suppose.
1: I think I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I think it's it's more about just refocusing it of like, okay, like this is where we're at. Also, it's to be at a certain point it's to be expected. You go through it enough times you know it's coming at the same time. Mm. So you just
0: learn to cope, I think. Um and I mean obviously we you know there's a plethora of, you know, incredible medical Maestro thing, but I I do recall um, when you were over the wire. Um, maybe yeah. that that's something that you haven't mentioned yet because I mean it. You know, could you oh, could you explain? Because I mean, when you told me that, I was like, blimey! I mean, and you just keep going.
2: Like the I know battery. it was like
1: poking. It literally pokes through, and I just had a hole. In the side of my eye, like nose, for a long time. There, I could like move them, and I could feel them all over my mouth, like wiggling.
0: Bloody! I'm sorry. I'm nearly swore. Then that's. I mean, I don't have to put a fifteen on this. For <laughs> this swearing. Um,
2: so. Yeah. When, I
0: mean, I, I had a
1: surgery where they actually think it might have even been the same one when they collapsed my lung they went through the inside of my mouth to put the cheek implant in and when they did that they paralyzed the left side of my lip and my tongue I was in eighth grade at the time so I woke up couldn't speak couldn't eat and couldn't drink like anything
0: yeah and so how long did that go on for
1: it's still impacted. Like I can barely stick my tongue out. So yeah, no, it and they said it was just like swelling, they thought. Um it's not like I used to be able to smile and it this side would like come up like normal. Now it doesn't. But it's kinda nice because it hides this I don't have a tooth because of the cut. So it like hides that. But um yeah, no, I woke up and I was I literally taught at this because I, I, I couldn't move my tongue. It was just paralyzed. Uh,
0: In eighth grade.
1: So, oh, thank you. I've worked really hard. It's wow. taken a long time. Yeah.
0: Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, as we're, I'm just going to check my. Yeah. Um, as we sort of, I mean, we could we could literally talk it for, for days. Really we could yeah. talk for days. Um, if I mean, it, before we go, you mm. when we spoke about you doing kindly doing this, you mentioned about uh, a young child that uh, you someone got in touch with you, or you got in touch with them. Um, similar kind of journey can you sort of uh, divulge a little bit more on that because I just thought this is a a nice uh sort of conclusion to our chat
1: yeah I think I I mean that I think that's why being able to do that photo shoot with you was such a transition point in my life was realizing that I can contribute to making a change in somebody else's in a different way. Like as a kid, all I wanted was to meet somebody that looked like me or had similar experiences. And I mean, it's a really rare thing that I have. So like, that's not necessarily what I've experienced. Um, but with your platform and social media in general, um, a f- parent reached out to me from Turkey and they have a four-year-old who has the same cleft as me. And I, I mean, I started bawling in the conversation that we're having because they were just like, and she like looks kind of like me, which for me, I was just like, wow, that's
0: amazing!
1: something I've always wanted. And, you know,
0: how, how did that yearn feel? for? How 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 did that I mean what, what really was really going-
1: incredible? Yeah. I mean, I think it's again, it was just something I yearned for my entire life. And then to have somebody that has it and then also kind of looks like me is just a wild experience. Um and- I mean,
0: that, that that's something that's I mean, a positive from the the internet um
1: it is i mean uh,
0: so how how did they how did they get in touch with you how how did they via
1: instagram i i they found my page i don't which before going and working with you like i didn't use social media at all i was very against it Mm. i i didn't Why,
0: why was that
1: i didn't i wasn't very confident taking photos to begin with I was mm. would compare myself to other people and I was yeah. like, "Well, I don't want anything that's going to make me feel bad about myself. I don't want to engage in." Yeah. So I had to really change my w- relationship with social media in general. Mm. After working with you, like I I deleted and anyone that I deleted, unfollowed, muted anyone that I felt compared to. It has nothing new about the other person that I felt, you know, like I'm comparing myself to or that I don't feel um, inspired by or positive about. Mm. I think that in today's Day with social media especially being a female and everything it, it's not easy and there's so many like it it's all. It's, a, it's, a it's not field. real life it's, too right no
0: like, it's, I mean it's an absolute minefield and sort of you know add on to what you're saying and I, I mean my eldest is um I mean she's 12 and a half now um and she's I mean in some ways she's very mature for her age and in others she's she's still a kid. but mm-hmm. I mean both my wife and I have seen Sarah have seen a massive shift in in how she interacts. Um, you know her phone is is glued to her hand. Mm-hmm. I mean we gave her a device only when she went to high school because she started walking I and mean, it was for a safety thing, but it was inevitable um, the, 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 you know, the tablet device addiction was, was upon us. Um, and I think, I mean, this is another reason I do what I do is because I don't, people don't want to see me. I don't want people to see me. I mean, you know, it's, it's not about me. Um, it, it's all about you all all the people that i you know i get to f- document um but it is a minefield i mean i i am really lucky touch wood that um the people that that either look at the images see the images or follow the images get the images mm-hmm. um if that makes sense you know there mm-hmm. isn't any uh, i mean i've i've i don't know how many posts I've got there's probably two or three thousand, probably nearer three. And I've probably taken down less than fifteen comments out of all of those posts.
2: Yeah.
0: Um
1: I haven't gotten a single negative comment yet. On and right books.
0: and rightly soaks if you do, I'm me gonna too. find them.
1: I uh, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um so yeah. just just finally Belle, um yeah. so this this little girl in 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 Turkey um and i mean how how was it i mean did did the parents speak english i mean so they cuz your we, turkish I, is a bit rusty isn't it i'm
1: going to that i get not for me no um no so i did i offered they wanted a lot of their questions had to do with exactly something that i personally struggled with my entire life was when when have we gone too far? When have we reached a limit? Is this
2: yeah.
1: a, for aesthetics? Is this for functionality? And, yeah. you know, and it, it's a constant thing you're battling yeah. and trying yeah. to weigh the options. Um, I have full eyesight, by the way. Most people think I don't, but I have full eyesight. Um, and I don't. That was – I don't. Yeah. You don't. No. I mean, technically, like, I don't because my eye goes so far, the bottom, like, goes so far up. And mm. because of the tears, it goes, like, halfway through my eye. So I have, like, half vision. But if I right. were to clear my eye and look down, my mm. vision's fine. So. so but that the, was a big question that we talked so, about.
0: So you are there... Is this uh, the parents of this child? Have, have they spoken with with your mum, your dad? I mean, have they? I offered.
2: Have, have, yeah.
1: Um, they didn't necessarily, and and I said at any point I gave them their emails and. Yeah. I've and I said it when the child gets older, and they, you know, just want somebody to talk to that.
2: Yeah.
0: But that's has amazing though, but that is amazing. I mean, my, uh, I mean, on, on this sort of subject, I mean, we're, I'm totally rolling over here. I mean, this is going to be like, it's going to be like Lord of the Rings, this, it's going to be about 15 hours. <laughs> but, um, well, I did a series back in, or an exhibition in 2019, about six months before we met called How Do You See Me Now, which was for a, a skin birth condition um called CMN I'm not even going to attempt to do the the proper latin medical name um but there were people that uh, and they uh, th- I mean I'm probably wrong but I think it's like one in 200,000 people are born with this skin condition and there were people there in their 50s that came to the show and they'd never met another person with cmn and it, it actually i mean call me an old softie it just gives me goosebumps yeah. and it's got nothing to do with me because without people applying for any series or being commissioned for any series um and and the foundation moving forward i don't i don't have any photographs so it, it is literally all about you lot but just being in a room with people with such a rare condition, all together, all sharing their experience was just unbelievable. It was such a powerful thing. So, I mean, for for this mum and dad, um, that must be an incredible comfort and, and source of knowledge.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that's ultimately what I've always understood was that there are going to be people in the future that are going to have something similar. And like, I can either be a positive influence and try and navigate that for myself to help other people Mm. or, and ultimately help myself. Let's not lie about that. It's, it's. You it know, feels I think good, that's where doesn't
0: it? it does feel. Sharing good, it, of sharing, sharing it. It does feel it's like, you know, it's like a drug to me. Yeah. You know.
1: And I do want to comment one thing. You, you say it's not about you, but you're the reason coffee, why Coffee,
0: my coffee. It's the coffee. Yeah. It's all down to the. You mm, know. Mm, it's all down to the coffee. We, we'll get them to sponsor the, the next show. Yeah. We won't drop. We won't drop them now, but we'll we'll mention the coffee brand next show and get them to pay for it and send yes. us a, send us a couple of packets of um. On and on that bombshell, um, <laughs> Bell. Um, first of all, I hope I've recorded all this correctly, and if I haven't, we'll have to do it again tomorrow.
2: Perhaps,
0: um that's fine. Thank you so much for being the first victim. And I say that in the most um, affectionate way um, of, of the, the the podcast, the show with no name, which I think might end up being the show's name because I can't think I of anything this. else. So <laughs> um, one final sentence or one final comment from you. Um, I can't even think of the question now. I'm, the, I'm that old now, my COVID brain. Um if if there's somebody listening to this that is, you know, new to this, what or going through something similar, what would be your if one sentence of advice?
1: Dive into on? it. Like dive into that hurt, that frustration, that negative feeling and hold some sort of compassion and grace for yourself for what you're going through. It's not easy. At all but at the same time all you can do is be there for yourself and showing up for yourself and if you can do that and learn to love yourself um, the rest of it doesn't really matter it falls away